Hello folks, we are Paul and Jeroen, founders and creative directors of, and now this, an ideas agency. After many years of working at ad agencies and tech startups in Amsterdam and New York City, we've launched our own creative shop. But how do you actually start a creative business? What does it take to quit your job and take the leap? To find out, we talk to founders of successful and inspirational creative agencies and businesses around the world. But instead of keeping this valuable information to ourselves, we've decided to share it with the creative industry. Want to find out what we do? Visit our website, andnowthis.agency. And now this, the untold stories of starting a creative agency. So, okay, we're here with André Andreev. André Andreev. How do you actually pronounce your name uh, in the Bulgarian way? In Bulgarian, André Andreev. André Andreev, all right. Yeah. Founder and director of Dresscode, a film production and animation company based in New York, the Lower East Side to be exact. Dresscode makes commercial work for some of the biggest brands and original content like animated shorts and documentaries. They opened 10 years ago. And since then, the work has been recognized by South by Southwest, the Webby Awards, Vimeo staff picks, featured at film festivals all over the world and received many shiny trophies. So we're in New York City right now at the dress code office in the Lower East Side talking to Andre. All right, Andre, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything to add? Uh, no, that was very <laughs> thorough, and I love the pronunciation of my name. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, there you go. So, what's your what's your story? Because you're originally from Bulgaria, right? How did you uh, guys start? How did you start your business? And 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 what's your story? Why New York City? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I migrated with my mom in uh, 1997, and we first moved to. Um, from Bulgaria to Seattle. Uh, we lived in Seattle for a little bit, and after which I went to school in San Francisco at California College of the Arts. And I met my now business partner there in a typography class. Um, and we hit it off, we had we collaborated and everything worked out really well. And um, he ended up moving to New York because he was a year older than me. Um, and he started working at MTV and we kept in touch. Um, we started, you know, continued collaborating on some projects. Some of those projects ended up winning awards. And at that point, we've, we thought, well, why don't we just come up with a name that would represent an entity where both of our work is combined? And at that point, we uh, thought to call it Dress Code. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, years, you know, a year later, I ended up moving to New York as well to work at MTV as well. And uh, we worked there for a couple of years, and afterwards we started Dress Code. Yeah, very nice. It was like 50% animation, 50% uh, feature film. Yeah, so back then we did a little bit of everything. Uh, We did uh, some animation. I came out of uh, the web industry in San Francisco. So I did a lot of like flash animation. I did a little bit of coding. I definitely did some design as well. So when we first started Dress Code, it was graphic design and animation hmm. and some interaction design as well. Uh, over the years, we've tailored it more into animation and film, hmm. but initially we literally did whatever paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was just the two of you, you guys found an office somewhere. 
Yeah, that that office was uh, our apartment uh, where we lived together, <laughs> and it was just me and him uh, for two years. Uh-huh. Uh, and at that at that point, what we did was we worked at MTV nine to five, and then nights and weekends we went back to our apartment and then worked on our stuff, which was dress code. So for about two years, we operated. Uh, our, you know, quote-unquote company while we were still working at MTV. And you made those bumpers or shorts? Exactly. So so we did a lot of, like, show packaging. So okay. imagine if you're watching True Life or My Super Sweet 16 at the uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. We, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but then we would do um, some cool things, in particular around, like, the award shows. Ah. So the movie awards or the music awards at that time was still a big yeah. deal. So. Yeah. They had great budgets, and we collaborated with really talented people, and that was really, really fantastic. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. And um, so, why did you? Why did you guys move to New York City? Why not just, you know, be in the Bay Area? And because there is a lot of talent and creativity. As yeah, well, right? why, absolutely. Why, why um, so the. I think that to clarify, I was in the Bay Area between 2002 and 2005. Okay, got so it. at that point, it was right after the first dot-com crash. Yeah. So there really wasn't that much work the way there is now. Okay. And people were very careful with startups and in general, the tech industry. Because as you guys probably imagine, there used to be a lot of companies that you know had a funky URL and then paid you mm-hmm. in funny money. And then the company would go bank- bankrupt in a couple of years and people would mm-hmm. end up losing their jobs, right? So mm-hmm. there was kind of a lot of hesitation and the economy wasn't as w- as good as it is now in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. for us, it only made sense to move to somewhere where there's more opportunities. So that was natural to be in New York okay. at, yeah. at that time, at that time, yeah. Okay. So, and when was the moment you thought, okay, we're both at MTV, this this shit we're doing is cool, but like, why did you? <laughs> when was the moment you decided to? Yeah, you, you already started doing like side projects. Was that just for fun, or did you already have the idea to start for yourself? One hundred percent. So to to be clear, we we started dress code as a concept, you know, as an idea. We had a website, we had a business, uh, we had a checking account, although no money in it. Uh, as soon as like college, right? Yeah. So it was always kind of on the back burner. Uh, but after we moved to New York, I think that both me and Dan realized that we wanted to be ch- in charge of the ship, right? Because yeah. when you work for somebody else, you know, who knows what might happen to you tomorrow yeah. or a year or 10 years yeah. down the yeah. road. Yeah. Whereas when you're working for yourself, in a sense, you have nobody to blame if your job sucks. Exactly. You know, no one to report to. You can just <laughs> exactly. Yeah. present. Yeah. Or make whatever you feel like making. But also, if it goes wrong, it's your fault. And that's that could be a good thing as well. It's not somebody else's fault. Yeah, fault. yeah, absolutely. And I think it's your that, responsibility. Uh, so. It's exactly yeah. it's your responsibility, and the decisions that uh, you make directly affect you. Yeah. And sometimes the people that you work with. But I think that uh, for us at that point, we wanted to be in charge of our own destiny, and that's really yeah. Yeah. the reason of 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 starting Dresco full time. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's great, and uh, and I still uh, I, I think you're still happy that you actually made that choice. I think <laughs> so. I think it's it's. Can you look, see yourself working for a boss now? Or it depends. You know, it, it, it depends. So, for instance, I'll tell you what. Like one of the things that that we did was um, uh, we taught we taught 
in typography and graphic design at Pratt for eight years. Cool. In, in, a, in a way, to me, that was a job because I definitely, the, the chair of the of department was my boss, mm-hmm. but it was a very re- rewarding job. And I loved working as a teacher. So I think that I, I wouldn't rule it out. It just depends on the job, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of course. You don't want to be the boss of school, probably. Yeah, yeah, of course. But at the same time, like something like that, I could see myself doing again okay. at a later point in life. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. But but not necessarily <laughs> for MTV. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and, and so and when you guys started, so when was the point you uh, you 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 quit your job actually? Well, so there's um, so we started trying to get more clients uh, while we were still working at MTV. Yeah, and we were saving a little bit of money, and we basically. What we did was from our first day at MTV, we put a date on the wall, which was two years after that date, that we would both quit MTV and we would start our own company. That's cool. So that basically gave us two years to plan how much money we would save, Hmm. right? So basically, if we realized that we kind of wanted to be able to live for six months without having to work, Hmm. so we calculated how much money it would take, and then we basically had two years to save that much money. So that was kind of the general idea, right? It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should do that too. Well, uh, did you come up with it yourself or uh, is, it a, is it a common way? No, I don't think so. I think that... A goal and then, yeah, uh, the, to, be, to be fair, the only reason we did that was because M- working at, at MTV was great. You know what I mean? So like we could see how we could be working there for longer when they started throwing money at you and you work on better projects and cool stuff and you're surrounded by cool people. And then at that time, everybody wanted to work with you because you worked at MTV. So it was like really easy to work with like freelancers and vendors and stuff like that. So it was like a kind of a cool place to work. So yeah. we right away knew that. And, and we set that date on the wall knowing mm. that we have something to, to work towards to. Yeah. Because we knew that if we didn't have that plan, the job was only going to get better there. And yeah. we could stay for three, maybe four years or who knows. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. we knew that we had two years. We're going to accomplish what we needed to in those two years and then leave. Mm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay. And so and what was, the, what was your first full-time client? What was, what was the... Or, because you, you already had a bunch of clients on the side? Yeah, but they were all smaller clients and uh, we were trying to save that money and it was just like not happening. <laughs> so uh, eventually we ended up getting one client, uh, which was Deloitte. And I'm sure you guys know Deloitte is yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a, a big consultancy, actually. They do, Dutch, right? they do a lot of consulting. Um, and they have offices uh, all over the world. I think, I think it's a Dutch consultancy firm, but I'm not Is it? Exactly I'm, sure. I'm not exactly Deloitte sure, to be, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we got them as a client, and by a complete miracle or a mistake, or I don't know what it was, but by, by a complete... A mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and they were they gave us one big project, and this was in 2007, so it was right before the housing market crash yeah. so people were just like still you know budgets were he- you know were, they, they were healthy as they say now yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so we we were able to take that one project uh and save that money and that afforded us to quit our jobs at mtv okay mm-hmm. before the day to put on the wall or mm-hmm. pretty much yeah nice. it almost okay. worked out to the week 
Okay. I think we <laughs> like ended up leaving two weeks before or after. I forget, but it was almost exactly on the that's, same day. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's great. And um, but then the market crashed, and then probably everything changed, right? Yeah, sort of. It sort of did, but it sort of didn't because for us it was a good time to start a company because we were so used uh, to doing everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we were in a climate Without where we could survive. Paid. Exactly, without getting paid. And we were still young. Like at the time, I think that, you know, I was like maybe 22 or 23. My partner is like, you know, more or less the same age. So, yeah. you know, it didn't take much for us to survive. You yeah. know, we yeah. ate like pasta, like for every meal and that was it. But like Can't when you're eat. young, like nobody no. cares. You no, know? that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, but how did the crisis change your your your... How did it shape you as a as a as an agency? I think I think that it shaped us more personally because I think that like we okay. always knew that we could run a company with two people uh, and on very limited means and resources. Hmm. Uh, and I think that it just taught us to do everything ourselves. Yeah. So whereas now we have producers, animators, designers, project managers, we have an you and know, an accountant, an accountant, an <laughs> office manager. You know, we used to do everything ourselves. So yeah. like you know. Like, you know, people say, you know, when people say they own their own business, it always sounds very glamorous. But the reality of it is that you'll be picking up the phone, you'll be making the deal, you'll be doing the work, you'll be project managing the entire thing, and you'll be cleaning the bathroom at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. <laughs> the beginning is, is, you know, takes... So, long story short, totally. when, when, you're, when you're able to do everything yourself... Um, it kind of, it makes you a bit more confident in running a business because at the end of the day, we can pretty much do the entire business ourselves yeah. to, to some degree. Yeah, you know? uh, uh, uh. Except for accounting, maybe. Except for accounting. <laughs> exactly. <That's, laughs> well, at a certain point where it gets yeah. larger and then it becomes kind of abstract. You, you know, know how to save your receipts and yeah. <laughs> send, you, send the invoices. If you're so used to doing stuff yourself, it could also be hard to... Let someone else do it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's, uh, I think that for us that's that's been the hardest transition to the business that we're at yeah. right now because From your first uh, employee probably exactly yeah. is is giving giving up that control and trusting somebody that they will be doing the job as well or if not better than you. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a big leap of faith for in the beginning at, at least. Yeah. Now you get used to it. Oh, not only used to it, but I'm just, I'm very proud of the people that work right. here because they're usually much better than me at, at what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's, we're, we're very fortunate to have a very talented group of people. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So do you always look for people who are better than you that you want to hire or no? Absolutely. Or that yeah. That's, that's that the general rule of thumb. If you, I'm okay. sure you've heard of this before, but Definitely. we usually, yeah. we always try to hire people that are not just better than us, but better than us on more than one level, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So mm -hmm. be it from account management to new relations to animating and design and illustration or typography, whatever the case is, yeah. they must have more than one talent and then also be just like pleasant as a human being. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. make better work and be a better person. Yes, like yes, 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 yes. <laughs> better person than me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of have the same, the same uh rule as well we always want to work with people who you know do things better than we ever could do you know so yeah 
it's a it's a it's an interesting uh, point of view, definitely. Um, so, so w did did you did you encounter any startup issues when you in, in the first couple of years? Oh. Was there was there ever a time you thought, "Fuck this shit, I'm going back to MTV"? Uh, you know what? The, the, there was never that, uh, but we okay. definitely had some trials and tribulations. So, for instance. At first, um, we started this company and we would hire our friends, you know, yeah. like the, the people <laughs> that I knew as a friend. So I'd be like, why don't you just like work for us, you know? And then we it's would gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to hang out. And <laughs> exactly. And, and so like we would kind of do that. We would just kind of hang out, do some work and then just kind of party. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like we, we, what we realized was like. We had to make some hard decisions and we had to, for instance, you know, make things uh, a little bit more official in our operations, you know, and like mm -hmm. what I had to realize was that maybe sometimes when you work with your friends, yeah, it's, it's not the most professional work environment. And then also, let's say you have a couple of employees, one of them you're really good friends with. And the other you're not, but they're equally as good at their job. Mm. Then inevitably you're going to favor somebody that's your friend, right? Mm. So like to me, like I, I just really disliked that, and I, I would rather be objective with everybody that I work with. Yeah. For sure. uh, so this is one thing that I think that mm. we change quite a bit is instead of like working with the people that I know and that I'm friends with, with really like taking a step back and having some distance between our personal lives and then our professional lives here at the company. And uh, is it also because you, uh, it, it's, it's, do you think it's harder to be, I don't know, to, to speak up to a friend when you work with a friend like, hey dude, I like you, but what you just did sucks. Yeah, is it yeah. hard to say to a friend? Yeah, and I think that it's it's twofold, right? So it's the objectivity of of being able to judge their work on the the merits of the work alone, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to divorce yourself from your relationship as that person—that's one hundred percent true. But then the, the second thing is. I want to go get a beer with my friends after work and I have to talk about work. I want yeah. to bullshit about other shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh -huh. exactly. So uh -huh. that to me is like what I've done so far, you know, in the last like a couple of years is, you know, keep my friends, my friends more or less so I can get yeah. out of work and just, you know, talk Don't about whatever about and just get a beer. And then yeah. when I'm at work, I can talk about work. And then the people that I work with, become friends of mine anyways exactly. you know what yeah. i mean but i still have my core group of friends that yeah, that's always different from your exactly company. exactly yeah so it's always a work thing and if you go to another company you see some of them a couple of times but you know totally totally yeah the same interest so. and then the other thing is true is like for instance like you know when you're in, in a uh, in my opinion when you are somebody's uh, boss you know for lack of a better word uh, it's also like I don't also go out and drink with like people that work here very often. You know, like sometimes I'll go out and hang out and they're like really good people to hang out with. But like I also it's not the same as hanging out with your friends because at the end of the day, you want them to respect you as somebody who's professional and who is yeah. they're yeah. looking up to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like in that yeah. sense, I like having that balance. Yeah, definitely. And you have that same rule with clients? Uh, 100%. With, with clients is a little different because... With clients, you don't work together, so the the, the relationship mm -hmm. is not as intimate. Mm -hmm. So I try to be 
if clients become friends of mine, that's fantastic. I like that. And the mm. other way around, do you work for your friends? Sometimes, yeah. Especially a lot of my friends. It can be hard as well. Well, the thing is, I'm fairly confident in what we do. Yeah. And I'm confident in the people that work for us. So when a friend of mine comes with me for a project and I feel like we're right for it, I am more than happy to do it. And honestly, it's... That has never worked out. Uh, it has never worked out in a negative way. Okay. Mm. Uh, it has always been has always been like like a really good relationship, um, and it's it's also as you guys probably know, a lot of my friends work in advertising, and that happens quite often. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my friends uh, call me for work, and yeah. and and it's yeah, it happens quite often. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so is that a common? So how do you find your clients nowadays after, after, you know, how, how long have been open for like 10 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, but basically <laughs> the majority of the clients come from personal relationships that me and my business partner have. Some of them just come out of nowhere. Um, they, Perfect. they literally like find their work and email uh-huh. us. That's fairly rare to be fair. That's maybe like 10% of our business. Okay. And then we also have an executive producer who's, uh, role is to find new work for us, uh, okay. and then so you do have a new new business, yes, person, yeah, yeah, and well, so we have our executive producer who's in house, yeah, whose whose sole job is to facilitate relationships, find new work, okay. and then we have representation on the east coast, uh, and then we have representation in the Midwest, and I think soon we'll probably have representation on the east coast as well, so. Uh, the, all of those factors play into like us finding work in one way or another. Okay. Okay. So it's mostly in the states then. It's almost all in the states. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, I I love to like uh, get out of the states and do more international jobs. Yeah. I'd love to go to Europe to shoot more, and I'd love to go to Asia to shoot more. Mm-hmm. I think that you know going to different markets outside of the states like sounds really good, but mm-hmm. we haven't been able to do that so far. Yeah. So, so how does that work with agency here in the States? Because we're, uh, we've, you know, that's not a common thing in, in, uh, in, in the Netherlands or in Europe mm. for, for a production company. I mean, mm-hmm. how, so how, so you get in touch with an agent and they, they'll just represent you. How, how does that work? So are, are you asking in terms of like representation or how you get into like an agency and get like work from an agency? Uh, both. Because so, sometimes you have an agent that gets you gigs, that gets mm-hmm. you gigs from mm-hmm. agencies, right? Or yeah. No? So, so for instance, the way it works with a rep is that... Um, a rep, yeah. That's yeah, they, they, they usually get a retainer, which is like a small fee mm-hmm. that you pay them on the month. And mm-hmm. then they get a small percentage that, I'm sorry, you negotiate from every job that they bring in. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the general rule of thumb. So basically... Uh, the, the really good reps are far and few in between. I think that the um, it's, it's really like, it's kind of a tricky situation because I don't think that there's one thing that you do that attracts the rep or vice versa, right? So I think that first of all, um, they're taking a risk by signing you onto their roster because you have to understand how you work and they have to understand how you manage clients and stuff like that. So it takes what takes time. I think that first you yeah. have to have a good, um, uh, you, you have to have a, a solid body of work that can be sold. So, for instance, if you do a lot of 
I don't know, say sports commercials, they know for a fact that you would be great to do like any kind of like athletic mm. stuff, maybe lifestyle stuff. And they know, like, so for instance, if they see your body of work, they'll usually know if they can sell that type of work. You know what I mean? Because usually the, the way it works is like reps get all of these boards from agencies and they have a pool of talent of people that they can uh, send the boards to, right? So yeah. if they feel like they're, you know, you could be one of those people that would be fantastic for all these jobs, it would be to their advantage to sign you up, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, they're assuming the, the, the risk and the responsibility that A, you're going to deliver, Mm. And then B, that you're going to be a decent human being and not piss off their client. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it comes with age maybe and, and having good yeah. relationships and having, yeah. like, a solid body of work. Yeah. And, then, and then secondly, I think it's, um, it's just being able to, to talk and to have your name out there, right? So, like, mm -hmm. so when you go to, like, one of those agencies you know, parties, yeah. you would mention the name of your company and people would be like, oh yeah, I've heard of you, you know? And it's like, word travels like that. And I think that once people start seeing you and they remember you from a party or from a screening or whatever, Absolutely, it, yeah, the, the world gets much, much, much smaller. And yeah. then it, it only makes sense for people to, to take you on. You, know? you guys gave, you gave good parties as well. Yeah, yeah. You still do that we try uh, to, we try every to. year or no? Yeah, we have one big party every year, and then we try to do like one holiday party in, in the winter as well. So, okay, yeah. good, nice. Yeah. When is the next one coming up? So the next one, but we have it's usually the end of August, early September. So it's yeah, end of summer type of party yeah. usually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just one. Like that's the big one. Yeah. Right, and then we have one in early December usually. Yeah, like in your old office. That that that. Do you still have a rooftop? Because your rooftop parties were. Well, we have of, one. Out of control. We have one, <laughs> but it was crazy. Our old rooftop because like there was no it was like so tiny. There was no so separation either. Like you could literally just fall off the roof. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember sometimes people would get really drunk, you know, and like we're I having know. a good time. And I remember thinking like. How is how is this like still together? How is like how is this like? How, how did no one die? You have to because like long story short, every party ends by the cops coming and breaking it up, right? Which is yeah. fantastic. Cops come, I love it because it means that nothing <laughs> bad happened, and then everybody's out of the door. And it's a good excuse for everyone to exactly, exactly, because exactly. you know it's like when you go back the morning after, people ask you how was the party, and they're like. Well, it was great until the cops showed up. And that's fantastic. That's all you want to hear, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. Uh, that's true. <laughs> you can rent the cop to you. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a good... Dan dressing up. Yeah. Other question. So, what are the projects you have uh, are you, that, you're, that you're working on right now, for example? Yeah, so, so this year um, we did a project, and I was telling you right before we started mm -hmm. this, Uh, for Hurley in Hawaii, where we shot a bunch of surfers, so that was like a doc, you know, like a yeah. like a branded content piece, which was maybe one of the most challenging things that I've shot. Um, so that was a commercial project, and then I just finished a short film on Milne Glazier, who designed the iHeart New York logo, um, which uh, you know hopefully is going to come out in April. Cool. Um, and uh, right. we have a couple of other small. Uh, personal projects. Um, so the Milton Glacier uh, mm -hmm. uh, project is not a personal project. It, it is, but oh. also um, it's part of a series of 
documentary films that we do for the AIGA, which is American Institute mm-hmm. of Graphic mm-hmm. Arts. So we basically partnered up with them and they wanted to honor Milton with the film because he's been around for a long time and he's one oh, of yeah. those like New York icons. Definitely. And what we ended up doing was focusing more on this one piece of work that really symbolizes and exemplifies him. And then the film is really about like New York and what it means to be a New Yorker in, in this age, day and age in particular, an immigrant in New York, which as you right. both know, yep. this is the city that was really founded by immigrants. Yeah. So he's, uh, uh, it really talks about what it means to him and what it means to be, you know, a New Yorker. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, the most famous city marketing campaign ever. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'll send you guys that with a password if you want to check it out. Oh, okay. It's, it's already finished. Yeah, it's finished. It's just cool. not released because I'm trying. You know, I, I was and talking to festivals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. So, so okay. So, so it's still. So you're aiming for April, or is it, or is it out of your hands? Uh, let's just say there's um, a lar- like a, a significant film festival that's coming up okay. that has interest in it that will be screening at the end of April in Got New York. It. Got it. And that's. <laughs> I, um, you know, that's that's a good launch. Yeah, launch, that's, that's uh, what I'm hoping for. Date. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Do you prefer that kind of stuff, or do you do you have a more love for animation, or is it fifty-fifty? It's it really depends on the the subject matter, and sometimes like if if it's something that's it's a if it's a story that's best told through animation. Yeah. I think that that's the way I look at animation is a, a medium. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. The way you look at film is a medium, you know, and a client may come to you with a problem and you decide which medium is best. Okay. That's how I look at it. You know what I mean? It's, so it's, you advise them which way to go? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So for instance, like we'll have a lot of clients, primarily, you know, companies, not agencies come to us and say, we have this marketing budget. We want to solve this problem. What is the best way to do it through video, yeah. right? And we say, okay, it'll be this would be a great short film or a piece of brand content, or this would be a great animation. Yeah. Uh, so just the fact that we have both things in house gives us a lot of flexibility and also gives us uh, a little bit of runway in, in case one of them dries up. So for you know, it's like as you guys probably know, um, animation and you know, especially online film, it's very like flavor of the month. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? So sometimes animation is hugely popular and then sometimes everybody wants to do a documentary on something or, mm-hmm. you know, like a profile video or like whatever the case might be. So it mm-hmm. really depends, you know. Mm-hmm. And how did the uh, uh, platforms like Vimeo change? I think it changed the world for animation, right? Because you had, suddenly you had a, you used to do it at MTV. And I used to watch MTV a lot. You saw all the, the I, I call them bumpers or like the yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. totally like, yeah they were, they were, it was like what you see on Vimeo nowadays mm-hmm. so it, and it's it's Vimeo is great and to, yeah. to be honest like all those online platforms Vimeo has been hugely supportive of our work which I have to say is fantastic because we we you know it's it's not out of the ordinary for a video of animation of ours to have you know hundreds of thousands of views which is to me is tremendous I and mean, it's it's oh, yeah. amazing yeah just yeah. to imagine that much people watching your stuff and you know you understand the metrics and you know you have you know comment sections where people are you know giving their opinions about stuff i think it's really fantastic and it's like the the distance between 
the person that's making the stuff and the person that's consuming the stuff is so close yeah. that you can literally like talk to people one on one right after they've seen something. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. And usually, it, it made the world a lot smaller. Absolutely. People from Absolutely. Uh, Argentina, you just call them and they. Usually they're not that expensive. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Work and uh, yeah, it's perfect. That's great. Yeah. So how many staff picks did you uh, did you? Uh, staff pick is like the it's like the, the the best of the best. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, to, to, to be honest, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. But the thing that we got this year, which is fantastic, is is that they have premieres now. So okay. every the way they do it right now is they have one premiere every month where it's called like a Vimeo it's like the next oh. level of a staff pick okay. and they only have 12 of them a year I think and it's on their website uh-huh. okay. yeah okay. and they they, Didn't they do a big PR push and stuff like that hmm. so we did a short animated film not too long ago that got that and that was that's that's pretty fantastic oh. you know yeah awesome which one was that It's called Coke Habit. I saw that. Oh, yeah. And it's about uh, a story awesome. of somebody who's addicted to Coca-Cola. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. And, and was it for a client? Or it no, it was another one of those uh, you know, self-initiated projects where yeah. one of our employees had this story and they to he told us over lunch and we were like, this is just kind of just very bizarre and unique thing that this guy went through. It would be a fantastic animation. And I think that's like a great example of like, You know, he was describing this addiction with a lot of side effects that had like hallucinations yeah. and a lot of like trippy, weird shit. And we're like, that's perfect for an animation. Yeah. To do that as a live <laughs> action, <laughs> no. impossible. Yeah. You know what I mean? But as an animation, perfect. Weird yeah. Look at a guy, uh, yeah, drinking Coca-Cola. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like you can't. So in that yeah. sense, that medium was perfect for that story, yeah. you know? Yeah. So he told you that story over lunch, right? And you were like, fuck, this is great. We need to, we need to bring this to life. Mm -hmm. That's how it happened. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And there's that. And it's like, we, you know, recorded the story, edited the story. And then, uh, we got basically all the animators and designers here to work on it at one point or another. Yeah. And to get, you know, from beginning to end, I think it took us almost three years. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, because, you know, animation is very, it, it's basically done in cell animation where you draw like most of the frames like hand, like yeah. one by one. Yeah. On a computer. It takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes forever. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and we're, we're in the middle of another one right now. And that's, you know, taking us about a year so far. And it's probably going to be done in another year, you know, just because there's like, It's so such a labor-intensive process, yeah. and we, you know, so we do it in between projects. You know, we yeah. don't you know, just like sit down and do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You can have a platform to like like a Vimeo. Uh, totally, you yeah. Have the, you have the animation, then you put it on a videotape or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. And when did that happen? When was the when was it released? When was the Vimeo premiere? I think it was. Earlier this year, I want okay. to say it was in August or September. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, great. I loved it. So what are your plans for the future? Uh, plans for the future? <laughs> where, where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So th th to me, like the the company still has uh, a little bit of growth to do. So we, you know, we, we're in a... Uh, 
bigger office now. We have employees. And I think that um, what I'd love to do is diversify the work that we do, um, primarily in uh, I'd love to do a little bit more work in America and specifically in the West Coast. Um, and then I'd love to do more work in Europe and Asia. I think that really diversifying our clan base uh, is really kind of the key in the in the short term f- uh, future. And then in the long term future, um, I love to focus my attention on passion projects. I think that the things that we do in between jobs, I'd love to be able to do those full time yeah. and, and be able to guide the company and you know, as you guys said, consult the company <laughs> in Airmarks, exactly. uh, right? Uh, but also, you know, just hire talented people that are better than me at whatever they do mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. kind of give them the opportunity and the platform to uh, do it for clients, yeah. Yeah, right. And how do you think, so if you want to sh- uh, like do more projects in Europe or Asia, how would you do that, actually? Because... You, you'll probably have to convince clients or agencies in Europe to work with an American production company. How uh, how would you kick that off? How would how would how, what, what would your uh, plan be? Strategy? Yeah. Be? Yeah. I think I think that's a great question. So I think that uh, basically what we can offer is production services and then animation in New York. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that that could potentially uh, be an asset for anybody in Europe and in Asia. So as you guys imagine, mm-hmm. a lot of international companies that are based elsewhere could have you know a production partner here in New York. Mm. Right. So to me, the vice versa thing is, well, if there is work for us to be had elsewhere in Europe and in Asia, we would more than welcome that opportunity with the 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 production services that we have here in New okay, York. Okay. So you so, would still kind of be uh, based here and servicing clients, maybe European or Asian clients from here. Yeah, 100%. I think that it's not like, it's it's maybe too soon to think of having another office elsewhere, you know, but like uh, I wouldn't put it outside of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that if it does happen, I, I would be more than happy to, to cool. try that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. In Bulgaria or... Uh, yeah, you never know. You know, it's it's like Bulgaria hasn't had um, a lot of like economic strengths outside of natural resources. But you know, like for instance, like I was talking to, I have a lot of Portuguese friends, mm-hmm. and they went through a very tough time in 2012, 13, 14. They had one of the worst recessions. I know. And I don't know if you guys have been to like Portugal recently, but yeah, L- Lisbon is booming. You know what I mean? It's like. They're talking about it the way we, you know, people used to talk about Berlin, you know, like mm-hmm. as like this new creative place where a lot of companies and creatives are moving. So who knows when, where the next place is going to be, man, you know? Lisbon has a great creative vibe. I like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we should go to Lisbon. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. Open our, open our second or third <laughs> office in Lisbon. Well, you know, it's like you just need to do a podcast in Lisbon there and somebody go. will tell you where the next place there is, you, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. So, thank you so far. Thank you for uh, for this talk. Uh, we have a final question. We want to ask you: What advice would you give us as uh, young starting uh, creative entrepreneurs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so first of all, it's like um, choose your partnership very wisely. 
And I think that if you guys are friends, um, you know, being partners is going to elevate that relationship to something that I think uh, is closer to brothers. Mm-hmm. So sometimes hmm. you may not get along with your brother. You may even hate them. But you're brothers, man. You're part of the same family, so you have to stick together. So I think the chances are you guys are going to have your differences at one point. But the cha- you know the 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 big thing is to re- you know to be able to talk about it and agree on stuff and you know stick together. Mm-hmm. Because when you're when there's two of you, it's a group of you, and when it's a group of you, you have mass. You have critical mass, mm-hmm. right? When you're alone, you're an individual, and that's called a freelancer, not a company. Exactly. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. For better or worse, stick together. Yeah. And uh, conquer the world. Well, let's do it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, thanks a lot. Well. Yeah, thank it's, you, guys. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more information, please check out our website and now this.agency. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. This show was produced in collaboration with AMP Amsterdam. Amsterdam.